Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And today we're going to have a very special guest with us. We're going to have none other than Tom Pentrini of Project Spurs. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good on this nice, beautiful day here in San Antonio. You know, the sun came out, sky is blue, and the fog cleared up. So I'm not freezing my butt off, so it's a good day for me. How are you doing? Yeah, no, it's great. I'm a, I'm a little north of you in Austin, but uh, beautiful, clear skies here. Uh, I, I lived in the Northeast for pretty much my whole life, and I'm just so happy to finally be down where it's like warm in January. I can go outside in a t-shirt. It's really amazing. T-shirts and shorts, man, walking around the city of Austin. So it's always a good time there. I especially like going to Franklin's to get me some barbecue, man. I still haven't been just because the line's so long. It's well worth it if you can get there early, man. That's all I can say. All right. I'll, I'll definitely try. I'll, I'll see if I can set aside an entire afternoon. Yeah, man. You'll, you'll be glad you did. But getting back to what we're here for, we're going to talk about some San Antonio Spurs. And right now, we're going to go ahead and dive in. We're going to talk about the San Antonio Spurs. And I know, Tom, they come at you a lot, and they're like, because you're putting out tweets, and you're saying, the Spurs have turned the corner and people like me are saying it's kind of too early. And that was like maybe a week or two ago, but you know what, Tom, the Spurs have officially turned the corner, man. We're at the halfway mark of the season. And let's start with you. What do you think about this team right now? Well, so, you know, the, the Spurs really turned the corner a month ago, a month and a day ago to be exact. Um, It was that third quarter against the Lakers and you know, defense just clamped up and it was a really beautiful thing. And pop after the game was like, you know, it's great. We'll see if we can, you know, build on it and build some consistency. And, you know, 15 games later uh, in that stretch, the Spurs are 13 and three best record in the league over that stretch. They have the most efficient offense and a top five efficiency defense. Um, so yeah, turning the corner like that's like when you have the flu and your your fever goes down. The Spurs like it's like if you had the flu and then all of your symptoms went away and also you turned into Dwayne Rock Johnson. Like <laughs> it's it's pretty remarkable the turnaround that they've had. So they they were on some roids then. They were doing some roids to 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 beef up. <laughs> I um, mean the the good basketball version of steroids, which I guess is playing more active defense and, um, you know, just getting guys to their spots. Um, I think the biggest thing that we've seen over this stretch is the cohesiveness of this team, you know, one through nine um, in the rotation, which Dante Cunningham has fallen out of, how Gasol has been injured. Um, and it's been the younger guys stepping up. It's been Bryn Forbes and Derek White and Davis Bertans. Um, Patty Mills playing great. Um, and it goes to chemistry on both ends of the floor. Um, these guys are talking and playing not only with each other, but for each other. And I think that's pretty plain to see, you know, when you're watching any of the tape of these guys, you know, on the court, on the bench, whatever. And they're really having a good time with it. So, yeah, no, they, they've been the best team in basketball over the stretch by a wide margin. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, one thing I'd like to point out is that the Spurs also 
have the most seasons with the winning record half through the halfway mark of the regular season since they joined the NBA back in 1976. And not only that, but during their last 16 games, the Spurs have have the league's best offense at 117.4 points scored per 100 possessions. They also had the league's best defense, holding their opponents to on an average to 101.9 points per game. And in the latest power rankings from the NBA, not from the four-letter network, the Spurs are ranked at number two, and they're up seven spots from last week where they were ranked at number nine. I mean, the Spurs are on a tear right now. Everything's firing on all cylinders. And I'm going to ask you a question because it's one thing that I, I noticed since the beginning of the season. I know that we had eight new faces. Things got off to a slow start. You know, Spurs, Twitter, people were already going at each other. Everybody's ready to jump ship. And everybody says, you got to be patient. We have eight new faces. But one of the things that I observed, too, is if the Spurs didn't have this defense first mentality, if they didn't put defense first, to me, it just seemed like the Spurs system really didn't work too well. Now that they're getting back to who they are and playing defense, it just seems that things are starting to click and fire on all cylinders. I mean, have you noticed the same thing or was there something different that you saw? I think it definitely starts with the defense. Um, Jabari Young at the athletic had a really great piece. Um, Oh, I read it around Christmas, um, and it was about how before the first game against the Lakers that the Spurs lost but played a little better defense in, um, before that game, Pop changed the defensive scheme. Um, Basically, the way they've played pick-and-roll defense in the past couple years with defenders like Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, DeJounte Murray, you know, versatile Kyle Anderson, Monty Ginobili, versatile guys who can switch – they play what's called a square pick and roll defense. And, you know, that requires going over and under screens, switching a lot, a lot of communication and a lot of like individual talent defensively. And pop basically looked at his roster and said, okay, we don't really have that this year. Um, so what they've been doing instead is icing pick and rolls. Um, instead of letting it, it's proactive defense. Um, it forces the ball handler to the sideline away from the middle of the floor and it invites, you know, contested 18 foot pull-up jump shots, which the Spurs are very good at taking, but no other offense in the entire league wants those shots. So, you know, once that happened, once the Spurs started forcing tougher looks for their opponents, running guys off the three point line, you know, rotating well to protect the rim, um, everything just got so much easier. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to Derek White, who has been fantastic defensively. He can defend three positions well and can hold his own with the bigger two. Um, we have to give credit to Jakob Pertl, who's a force at the rim on both ends, really. Um, and I think we have to give credit to the scheme because it. I was I was watching you know some of the beautiful game highlights, uh, writing something on Kawhi and the state of the Spurs now and you know the pieces for this team look closer to that team than anything we've seen from these Spurs and I think it's no coincidence that they're you know clicking like no Spurs team since that one has yeah it's it's the beautiful game you know that passing game and, and it's like coach pop was always saying and some of the other assistant coaches you can pass the ball faster 
then your defender can get to you. And when the Spurs are doing that, it just makes the game so much easier. But when you're also passing, you got to make sure that you're passing that ball crisp and that it's it's a, it's an accurate pass. That's the one thing that I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to sometimes because if you're not accurate with your passing, that turns into turnovers. And in the beginning of the season, the Spurs had an issue with turnovers. But ever since then, since they've turned that corner, these turnovers are kept at a minimum. And you like what you're seeing out of the team. And the scary part is, Tom, to me, the Spurs can only get better. You know, they're not even, I think, playing at, at their full potential yet. Yeah, no, they. I mean, they've they've turned around. They're they're playing really dominant basketball. You you talked about their, um, you know, their efficiency ratings offensively and defensively. Their net rating is fifteen point four in the last sixteen games, um, and that's like the ne- the next closest is nine. So uh, they've been doing that. They've been taking care of the ball. Um, highest assist to turnover ratio in the league over that stretch. But the reason they're playing so well is because of chemistry. You know, it's not, you know, Aldridge and DeRozan have been playing really well, both averaging around 20 points a game. But it's the way that they're getting other guys involved. Um, You know, Davis Bertans has been incredible. Brent Forbes has been shooting the lights out. Um, Patty Mills playing excellent basketball. Marco Bellinelli, I mean... I love watching that guy shoot and it's, it's going in the hole. Um, but it's because of chemistry on both ends of the floor. And that is something that only gets better over time. Um, you know, it's, uh, and, and it's true to who this, to what this franchise is about, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's something that's really, really fun to watch. Yeah, it's, you know, you can't be a spur unless you can leave your ego at the door. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of these Spurs fans kind of fail to realize. They want the Spurs to go after some big names, you know, but not every elite player out there would be a good fit for this team. For one, they have to be able to be coached by Greg Popovich. And let's just face it, a lot of these elite players, they they can't handle the coaching style of Greg Popovich. But I think that the Spurs, at the end of the day, do a very good job in developing their players. When they draft, they draft well. They develop their players that fit in the system, that like to be coached. And now we're seeing, you know, a Derek White. You're seeing a Brent Forbes kind of come into their own this season. And it's been an amazing thing to see. I was very hard and critical on Brent Forbes in the beginning because he wasn't doing, you know, a very good job of being efficient. But... He's turned the corner, and he's been one of the most efficient players for the San Antonio Spurs. And I have gone on the air to publicly apologize to Bryn Forbes because I think he he should be in the running for most improved player of the year. I mean, what do you think about that, Tom? I mean, Bryn has been really great. Um, Nobody, I don't think anybody a year ago would have thought of him as a starting point guard in the NBA and you know he, he plays more like a shooting guard but he's been productive he uh, over this 16 game stretch we're talking about he's shooting 51% from the floor 44% from three and 95% from the free throw line um, and if you want to talk about most improved player I think Derek White um, Derek White has to be in the running for that award um, he 
I, the way he's played individual defense and his and his shooting has been recovering. He's shooting the ball 55% from the floor, 38% from three. Um, and that, that three-point shot was kind of a question mark earlier in the season. We knew he could hit it, but he just wasn't. Um, and, yeah, Davis Bertans leading the league in three-point percentage. On a high volume of attempts, he's shooting almost three, uh, almost five a game um, and leading the league in percentage. So it's been these guys that they they drafted and then, you know, had them work on their games, work, 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 and be able to fix the deficiencies so that they could play at the next level. Every guy that's in the G League has some reason that he's there, some fatal flaw that at the next level would be exploited to the point where he would be unplayable. Um, and, you know, Bryn Forbes has been playing really good defense. It's it's the point guard's job a lot of the time to ice those pick and rolls and send the ball handler to the sideline. And he's been getting way up over the top of screens, forcing guys down and contesting when they take, you know, when, when they pull up from 15 feet. Um, and so the individual improvement of all of these guys is important, but so is the chemistry that they've built between themselves in summer league in Austin, um, you know, in the, in the mop units at the end of games. Um, they're, they're all blossoming into, into pretty special players. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you have eight new players and what coach pop has been able to do with all these new players and how he's been able to incorporate them into the Spurs system is nothing short of a miracle. You know, if he's not in the running for coach of the year again, I don't know what, what more he needs to do because he's been, once again, he's been a stellar coach and he's been excellent over the course of, you know, the last 20 plus years. So hats off to coach pop. He sure does know what he's doing. And one thing I'd like to point out too is, you know, the Spurs have kind of, thrown the NBA for a loop a little bit because the NBA is big and, and they're really heavy right now on shooting the three. You know, they're going to, a lot of these teams are going to live and die by the three and the Spurs are going against the grind. They're going against the grain. Should I say they're, they're beating teams by shooting two pointers. They don't really rely too heavily on the three, even though they do have you know, some people that are on the team that can shoot shoot the three efficiently, they're just they're just doing something different, and it's showing you that it doesn't matter how you get points. What matters is that you can score. And I think right now the Spurs are onto something, and more than likely we're going to see some other teams try to copy the Spurs again. You know, because they like to copy the greatness that is Coach Pop. I think a big part of it. You're, you're right that they don't shoot threes as much, but what they do shoot is threes more effectively than anybody else. Yeah. They're, they're shooting 42% as a team um, in the last month. So, you know, where other teams, you know, like the Rockets, the Rockets shoot threes like it's a machine gun, <laughs> and the Spurs are more like, you know, a scalpel. Yeah, they're more like uh, a sniper, you know. They're, they're very... Uh... Right. efficient they they they're very tactful in the way that they take their threes they're not just chunking them up like you said like the rockets they they pick their spots they you know hold their breath for a little bit and they you know 
they're good shots. Um, and a big reason that they get the good shots is because of two guys who don't shoot threes well themselves, DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. When they run pick and roll, they collapse the defense. When either of them posts up, they collapse the defense. They draw double teams, and the Spurs have gotten really, really good at swinging the ball around the perimeter, making extra passes to whoever's open. Um, and, you know, I know Pop has this reputation, oh, he hates the three. He knows and admits that the three-pointer has been a huge part of every championship he's won. Um, and despite having two all-stars who are really non-threats from deep, um, he has used the three effectively to win games. But but you're right that a lot of those mid-range shots from LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan are as good efficiency as some of those, you know, lower percentage threes that are, you know, theoretically the more efficient shot. But I'll take DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge in rhythm from 15 feet any day. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> so... And, and they're really getting the most out of their role players. Like, the Spurs have um, nine guys who are averaging uh, almost 20 minutes a game during this stretch. And every eight, eight of them are scoring eight or more points. Um, so it's really coming from everybody. Um, and... You know, like I said before, it's looking closer to the beautiful game than anything that we've seen since. Yeah, it is. And, you know, one other, one other thing that I wanted to point out, because we're going to be moving on to our next segment, is this. Is this rodeo road trip one of the most important rodeo road trips that we have coming up? Because the West is so highly contested right now. You have teams that are only separated by a few games. You can either win three or four games and, and move up in the standings, or you can lose three or four games and be on the outside looking in. So the question that I want to ask is, is this rodeo road trip going to be a make or break for the Spurs this season? I mean, we have it starting, I believe, February the 2nd, or the 4th, I'm sorry. February it's the 4th, the 4th in Sacramento, yeah. Yeah. So they're going to have the Kings. They're going to be playing the Warriors, the Blazers. They play the Jazz. They play the Grizzlies, the Raptors, which I know everybody's going to be watching that one. Then you have the Knicks. And, of course, the end for the Roto Road Trip will be against the Brooklyn Nets. They also have a couple of back-to-back -back games there. And this Roto Road Trip is going to be a grind, no doubt. But a lot of these games that you're seeing are very winnable. So if the Spurs, let's say if they go 4-2 and two or 5-1, or and one, you know, on this on these road on this rodeo road trip, what do you, what do you think? I mean, is it make or break, or are they going to be okay if they they come out at five hundred? I mean, I think it's important to remember that for any team in this league, winning on the road is hard. Um, winning on the road repeatedly is hard, even against some of the not as good teams. It's just a statistical fact that pretty much everybody shoots a little worse on the road. Pretty much everybody gets fewer calls on the road. Um, but I think the things that the Spurs do well, namely moving the ball, playing team defense, communicating, all of that travels well. Um, 
And I think as long as the Spurs can play pretty much 500 ball on the road while dominating at home and dominating the lesser teams in the league, they'll be, you know, they, they could be a, a top four team in the West um, if they continue playing even, anywhere even close to where they're playing right now. Um, you know, and one good thing about this rodeo road trip is there's a nice 10 days off in the middle um, for the all-star break. So it's not going to be um, as grueling as a road trip this long could be because um, they're, they're going to be on the road for almost all of February. Yeah. Um, it's, it's three weeks. So it's a lot, but you know, there'll be time for the guys to unwind a little bit, recharge. And the first game back is in Toronto. So, you know, DeMar DeRozan will be ready for that one. Oh yeah, no doubt. I think the Spurs are going to have a really good chance of beating once again, Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors over in, in Toronto, you know, when they go back home, especially, you know, DeMar DeRozan, he's very comfortable in that arena since he played for them for what, seven years. And for sure. And I mean, you, you saw that game. Can we talk about that game for a second? Yeah, let's How... talk about it. Derek White, amazing individual defense oh, on man. Kawhi Leonard. Um, and a lot of the time he was doing the stuff cause I, I had just watched the tape Kawhi's, you know, tape from the finals. Yeah. And, you know, Kawhi defended LeBron amazing in that series. A lot of what he did was fight over screens and force him down to Tim Duncan. And, you know, when I saw Derek White do that to Kawhi and send him to LaMarcus Aldridge, it was like, whoa, you know, like it's it's definitely um you know sort of the team concept and then we kind of saw why Kawhi like in in your brain is not like as spursy a player really at this point isn't a spursy player at all because he's isolating you know more than he ever has in his career and you know gets doubled has to pass out of it um and especially with Kyle Lowry out, that was really tough for them. But, you know, I, I think that game was a, a really telling um, sign that this team has moved on completely and they're going in a, in a really good direction. Yeah. You know, one thing I'd like to point out too, because a lot of Spurs, not a Spurs fans per se, but a lot of the naysayers, especially on Spurs Twitter and people that call into the station from time to time, they're like, well, who have you, who has the Spurs? Who have they really beat? You know, what signature wins does your team have? I'm like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> I'm like, the Spurs have beat some of the best teams, not only in the Eastern Conference, but also in the Western Conference. They've beaten the Toronto Raptors. They've beaten the 76ers. They've beaten the Celtics. They've even beat, you know, uh, teams in the Western Conference that are up there. They've beaten the Nuggets. They beat the Warriors. They beat the Clippers. You know, they've beaten the Trailblazers. They even faced the the Lakers, and they beat them twice. So I'm like, the Spurs have signature wins. I think this Toronto win, though, it was something different. They were playing for pride. They were playing with a lot of emotion in that game. It was it was crazy a, a because playoff atmosphere. In the yeah, too. I've you know, never like... I, I never seen. 
the fans in the AT&T Center as loud as I've seen them when they were when they were cheering the team on for the Toronto Raptors. The only time you've ever seen them that loud, Tom, is an NBA Finals game. I mean, what, what, let me get your take. What did you think about that game when you're watching it? What did I think about what? Yeah, like the fans, you know, and how that energy level was in that arena. I mean, it, it was well, kind of like NBA Finals-esque, I think. Yeah, obviously, you know, fans, everybody has had that one circled on their calendar for as long as the schedule's been out. And um, it occurred to me watching Kawhi kind of struggle in the first quarter. He, he looked shook, and yeah. I realized, like, this is the biggest game he's played in since Zaza. And it was like, wow, that that was a long time ago. And um, and that was the last time the Spurs fan base really had, you know, like hope, I think. <laughs> Sounds sad. But like, and and just the fact that Leonard never addressed why he left, you know, like KD had the decency to wait until the end of his contract to even start talking about, to, to even answer questions about free agency. Yeah. At least Jimmy Butler had the stones to say like, you know, screw all of you people. I want out of here. And, you know, Kawhi just kind of like ghosted the Spurs and everybody who cares about them. Um, and last night it was the, a lot of people's or not last night, but the, that game against Toronto was a lot of people's first chance to hold him accountable in any way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I understand the booze. Um, do I feel bad for him? Not really because he brought it on himself and then blame the media for it. But, you know, when he got introduced in starting lineups, you can see the hurt on his face. Yeah. Um, and he was shook like you said you could tell there was some, it would, it bothered him even though he was yeah. trying to act like hey it doesn't really bother me what these fans say i know they're gonna boo me and i it doesn't matter when people do it in person and you're there and you feel that it affects you and i think when we saw what he did not do which he wasn't his normal self he didn't go off for like 25 points or 30 points you know, he was kind of held in check and he just was not quite himself. It, the fans, I think, took him out of the game. I mean, mentally in the second half, if if he didn't have the ball in his hands, if he wasn't dribbling, he was standing in the corner. He didn't even look like he wanted it. Um, and again, parallels, it looked like he looked like LeBron in game five of the finals that they won, where after he had gotten pretty thoroughly handled by Kawhi, he just didn't even want to touch the ball, really. Yeah. Um, and so it was It was really interesting to see that parallel. Um, and, like, I, I don't know. He, there are so many questions about Kawhi Leonard now because he never answered any of the dozens that have built up. And, um, you know, I think, it was kind of a it was a statement win for the Spurs, and the statement was, "We're better without you now." Yeah, um, and yeah. that I think that probably hurt most. Yeah, and you know I think one thing too is that I think Kawhi is realizing some things. 
Yeah, you, you left on the terms that you wanted. You wanted out. You're, you're playing with the team now that's, that's playing at a high level. They're looking great. But it's just not the same when you were playing within the system. You know, because now in Toronto, he's going to have to be that guy every single night. And that's a lot of pressure, especially for someone who didn't want to pick up the torch after Timmy left. And Co- Coach Pop said he's not a leader. You know, he's not that leader. He's not that guy. And in Toronto, he's going to kind of have to be that guy. And, you know, uh, Toronto Raptors fans, they come at me and they come at a lot of Spurs fans saying, you know, oh, Kawhi's going to going to sign with us next year. Uh, there's there's no guarantee that that will happen. You know, if anything, Kawhi wants to get his money. He wants to get paid and he's going to go and play for the team that one He'll have opportunities to make money as far as these sponsorships are concerned. Two, he wants to get a max deal and he's also going to want to win. So that that all that recipe right there that I just spewed out, it makes L.A. look very attractive. But I doubt if he's going to want to play with LeBron. Maybe he might go with the Clippers. Maybe he might go on the East Coast and play with the Knicks. You know, he. I think he's going to look for a big market team. That That's just my hunch. I, I don't know if you feel the same. He, he's going to have his pick of uh, big market teams. You said him. Um, I would add the Nets in there. They're going to have cap space. Um, but the, the thing about the trade, not necessarily from the Spurs perspective, because you understand they had to do it, but from the Raptors perspective, DeMar DeRozan is the one superstar player in that city who has said, I want to spend my whole career here. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to break every record for this Raptors franchise. I want to be like, you know, a Raptor for life. And they dumped him for somebody who's already in love with somebody else, already forced (laughs) his way out of one championship contending city and team because he didn't want to be there and you know the reasons that people thought were had to do with the medical uh differences on his injury or wanted a bigger market and um you know more money that way it's like um, my friend chris duell says tom Kawhi is always going to be the biggest mystery in spurs history and we'll yep. never know unless it comes out with the ESPN, you know, 30 for 30 sometime down the road. And we finally find out which everybody would be glued to their sets watching that. I don't think we'll ever know for sure. Yeah, that's going to be in like 2040 when everybody's dead. <laughs> Probably. That, like, like that's the only way we're going to hear about this is like, you know, somebody's grandpa was in the room when this happened. Like <laughs> the we we know what we need to know about the story and if you're unfamiliar google it um but yeah i i don't see us really getting much clarity on that anytime soon yeah and you know it's going to be another highly contested game when the spurs go and revisit the toronto raptors on that february 22nd in toronto i think I think that's the game DeMar goes for 50. He said he was going to go for 50 <laughs> uh, in that first game. Yeah, He didn't. He just got his first career triple-double like an idiot. Um, 
But yeah, I think he'll go for 50 in that one. You know, it was funny though. Is, uh, I was watching this, the Danny Green podcast in, in the green yeah, yeah. room. And, you know, Rudy Gay was talking and Danny Green, was, they were talking about the comments, you know, that De- DeMar DeRozan had said. Because he came out actually, that, that the thing it was kind of taken out of context. He was kind of joking around when he said, I'm going to go for 50 when I play you guys. Because right. he was on Serge Ibaka's cooking show. You know, <laughs> that's right. crazy. Right. And he's just having fun with his friend. You know, he's just giving them a hard time. But I think he was, you know, there was probably some seriousness to that. And like you said, maybe that'll be the game where... He does go off on, you know, on the on the Raptors for 50 points. But I just thought it was kind of humorous. You know, the media got a hold of it and they're like, oh, he's kind of throwing shade. I'm like, he was just kidding around. You know, it's it wasn't it wasn't really that serious. It was kind of like a joke, you know. Right. I mean, it's. (laughs) That's just the the media environment that we live in and contribute to in some ways, I guess, Um, you know, it's a story if you make it i don't know it's probably clickbait is what it is you know speaking of clickbait let's talk about this before we end this show i know you saw this today and i saw this today too and i thought it was humorous you spurs twitter lit up because you have a rumor saying that the spurs are very are very interested in the unicorn christops porzingis but at the end of the day, who do the Spurs, I mean, are they really going to get rid of some of their marquee players to go after Kristaps Porzingis? I mean, really, no, Tom? <laughs> absolutely not. The The Spurs, first of all, I think the story was just that they were interested in signing him in free agency. Yeah. And that would be tough because they don't really have a ton of space to do that. Um, so they would have to make some moves. But, like... The fact that people were making a big deal of this, I saw somebody say, you know, oh, wow, like, are people going to be mad at me if I say we should include DeJounte Murray in a package? Yes. Yeah. Yes. People are going to be mad at that because it's like, you know, we we spent a lot of time talking about how the Spurs are dominating and why. Um, they're dominating incredibly and they're doing it because of chemistry. And so... Why would you trade anything, any part of the rotation, for an injured player right now who is not under contract after that? Um, And there's no guarantee, too, that he's going to come back and be the same type of player he was before the injury. That, too. Um, But just the idea that, like, there's so many people that just have itchy trigger fingers with everything. It's like, you know... (laughs) Things could be going great, and they are. Uh, and people will still want to hit the panic button and or dump Patty Mills. I'm I I'm, I haven't heard that talk lately, Tom. <laughs> Let's trade Patty Mills. <laughs> I haven't either. And I mean, you know, he's he's been shooting around forty percent from three in this stretch, um, and you know, he's useful. He's a useful player. He's playing better defense, um, and especially in this new, this newly used, uh, or I guess recycled, because you know Pop has done ice in the past with pick and rolls, but you know Patty's been really good at that. Bryn Forbes has been really good at that. Um, these guys that at the beginning of the season we were like, any of them playing defense 
in any space is a problem. Um, they, they're holding their own. Um, Even Bryn Forbes, I gave him a hard time because he was really not playing defense, but he's done a really nice job of being able to stay in front of his his uh, you know opposing players. So I, I got to give him props for that. He's he shut me up, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's always good when that happens when you're wrong about a, a player on the team not producing. It's it's good. Those are good L's to take. Um, and yeah, I, I think kind of top to bottom, one through nine in the Spurs rotation, I don't think you can point to a single player that's playing bad basketball right now. Yeah, I know one of my <laughs> friends likes to give Shizeme Metu some hard, a hard time because he's like, why is this dude coming out on the court with those short shorts? And I'm like, dude, I, I don't think he, he's necessarily trying to put on the short shorts. I think Shizeme is just kind of tall. So when he puts on these basketball shorts, they kind of look a little short on him. You know, I'm just like, really, just leave him alone, man. Don't give, don't give him any flack for his shorts, bro. Come on. <laughs> if that's if that's the biggest complaint about the team is the 13th man's uh, shorts. the length of his shorts, <laughs> I think that that speaks pretty well to where this team is at. Yeah, no doubt, man. So I'm thinking that you know this this road to road trip. It's eight games. I said it was six. Sorry about that. It's eight games. If the Spurs yeah. can go 500 or they come out with a winning record, you know, and they and they go above 500, it's going to be a plus for them. I think at the end of the day, Tom, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you feel the same, regardless of what happens and once the dust is all cleared out, I think the Spurs will either win, any, and, I, and I said this before the beginning of the season, between 47 to 48 games to me is a realistic expectation. But if they can keep playing at this high level that they're playing at and beat some teams that, you know, on the road that, that they really need to beat, I think they can maybe start flirting with maybe 50 games. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah. I mean, we're halfway through the season and they're at 24. And for the first quarter of the season, they were, you know, a team that a lot of people said should tank. So... Tank for Zion. I remember those tweets. When when you when you see the trajectory that this team is on since that inflection point, um, I think you can even stretch it to. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Spurs won fifty five games this year. They could easily on if they, you know, they'll, they'll fall off this trajectory a little bit. They're not going to keep winning like you know eighty two percent of their games or whatever, but. It's it's sustainable success um, that they've found relatively recently. So, yeah, no, this this team, I think, can finish as one of the top four in a stacked West. And, I mean, if the playoffs started today, I don't think there's any team except maybe the Rockets that I would say is is playing as good basketball would be you know like i would take this person a seven game series against just about anybody if the if the playoffs started today i agree um, with you but i know why you're saying that because the west right now is kind of wide open there's really not one team that really stands out like in the past where it was the warriors and everybody else i think the warriors this, are super talented they're playing like crap though yeah exactly I mean, for for as talented as their roster is you know like 
Like they're they're not doing the things that made their seventy three win season so dominant, you know. Um, and I don't know if it's they've gotten lazy. I don't know if it's you know. Word on the street with them is there's some stuff going on in the locker room, you know. For sure. And when when you're not all copacetic and people aren't really liking and digging each other, it, it kind of translates onto the court. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now. I think more stuff will come out, you know, probably in the off season. But you're, don't be surprised if you hear, you know, certain people didn't like each other. For sure. Yeah. I mean, when you when you have success for that long at that level, the way that they did, um, especially after adding Kevin Durant, um, then you're not really working as much to get the team success it's you know for some people it becomes about taking credit for it and you know like you you've got two of the best scores in the history of the game in steph curry and kevin durant together and they they play excellent ball together but you know is there some resentment back and forth i don't know we'll never know there's definitely a little resentment with kd and Draymond, even if they're moving past it publicly, you know, like, like Draymond cursed him out about potentially leaving in free agency in December or November. Um, so that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the year, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so I just think they have some things that they gotta, they gotta take care of, but. And then you're going to add DeMarcus Cousins to that and yeah. he's going to make it better. I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> Yeah, big question mark on that. So I, I was on the side where I think that the Warriors aren't, like you said, the same team. I think somebody's going to emerge out of the West, and it's not going to be the Warriors. The Warriors, I think, will probably make it to the Western Conference Finals, but I think they're going to wind up getting upset. I think somebody else is going to emerge from the not only the West, but you're going to have somebody else emerge from the East that's not the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I think the NBA Finals this season is going to be a welcome surprise for most people because they got tired of seeing Golden State and the Cleveland Cavaliers go at it, you know, for the last couple of years. Something new, something different, I think is going to be a welcome surprise for everybody, and it might get people excited to watch the NBA Finals again. Yeah, I mean, the, the East is wide open, and if I had to compare the Spurs right now to any other team in the league, it would probably be the Celtics, um, you know, another team that's that's very deep and versatile um, and kind of builds its success off that. A lot of key differences, uh, namely that the, Spur, the, the Spurs don't have five different wing players that are all fantastic. Um, but, you know, teams like that do well in the playoffs. Teams that, that can, you know, deal with injuries that can you know deal with adversity that can plug different guys in in different scenarios 